Happy Friday, guys, and welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Dubs. I'm your host, Bill T. Well, I'm getting this one out for you a little bit late on Friday. Sorry about the confusion. There's just been uh, been super swamped, and I've got plenty to load out. Should have done it earlier, but I didn't, so now you're getting it today. So don't forget, check out our sponsors, VWTrendsMagazine.com. The latest issue came out, Austin McCabe on the cover. Congratulations to my dog for that hard work he put into his car and gracing the cover of VW Trends Magazine. Now, also, don't forget our other sponsor, Ross Wolf. High-quality aftermarket parts made for VW enthusiasts by enthusiasts. So go check them out at rosswolf.com. Pick out some of their super dope fresh stuff, their velocity stacks, dipsticks, pulleys, you name it, they got it, and they keep coming out with more stuff. So stay tuned with some upcoming product features that we're going to have with those guys, what they got coming out. So shout out to my guys at Ross Wolf. Go check them out today at rosswolf.com. Today's podcast is Rob O'Rourke, or otherwise known as Rorky O'Rourke. He is with O'Rourke Coach Trimmers out of the UK. Top-notch work these guys do. Check out their YouTube channel. They do some phenomenal work on early Ferraris and uh, exotic cars like that. Lamborghinis, you name it. These guys replicate, duplicate, and do better than the original factory work on these high-end Italian sports cars. Well, this was one of the Type 34 Gias that I saw at the Air Mighty Show, and this car was unbelievable. If you saw my YouTube video, which there'll be a link down below, that you can check it out where I do a little detailed walk around the car and you can see a lot of the stuff that he did to this thing. You you can tell that Rob is a, a, a master of attention to detail. He's one of the top coach trimmers in the UK. Uh, again, focus on most exotic stuff, but he's a VW guy. Loves the Type 34, loves the lines, really got creative with the interior and I love to see cars like this that push the envelope and really bring something different to the table, not the same old stuff that you see on every car. So check out the video, listen to the podcast, uh, and, and and this is the build story about this Volkswagen. So super cool Type 34, um, built to use, and it's really high-end looking on the inside. A lot of custom touches. One of the unique things that he did was uh, on the Type 34 Gear, there's... Um, there's a body line on the hood that kind of pop, kind of pops up and then it stops at the top of the cowl. Well, he continued that across the top of the cowl down to the rear uh, to match up with the rear uh, same bodywork that's on the uh, trunk lid. So it's pretty rad. I mean, he did a lot of stuff. He's got a really unique style, which is one of the things that really drew, to, drew me to his car. And then after meeting him, man, he's such a champ of a dude, man. Just an outrageous guy. If you ever get a chance to meet him face-to-face, Solid cat, uh, definitely a dude you want to sit down and chat with because he's a good time all the time. So, without any further ado, guys, let's get into it this week. Rob Rorky O'Rourke and his unbelievable Type 34 Gia on Let's Talk Dubs. You probably don't know that there's a new Volkswagen out that doesn't look like a Volkswagen. Okay, everybody. So on today's podcast, I'm bringing you guys the podcast that I was doing out here in uh, Holland when I went to the Air Mighty show. And out here roaming the floor, there's a lot of unique cars. 
and I saw a car roll in that this guy drove here to the show and I looked at it and I thought, huh, there's two of these cars similar in color and this one's all haggard because it's covered in bugs and all this stuff because this guy's hardcore and he drove his car here. And then I got a second look at it today and this is a really, really detailed 1964 Type 34 Carbon Ghia. And that car was built by our guest today, Rorky O'Rourke, and he's out of uh, Sussex. My business is in West Sussex and you, I live in Surrey. Nearing, so you live London. in Surrey. So Rorky, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. So you built a beautiful Type 34 Gi out here. Um, has it been featured in the magazine out here? Yeah, uh, not uh, Hayburn it was featured in. So it was featured in Hayburner, and it's quite, a, it's quite a unique car. And to some of you guys that uh, be looking at, you'll, you'll be looking at some pictures that I post on Instagram and Facebook about this car, but it's really, really unique. And it's, and it, you know, starting off with the Type 34, it's a unique car to start with. And your car really has a lot of really special features to it. But I want to go to the beginning of this because clearly this isn't your first rodeo. And when I saw the car and talked to a few people about you, you've been in the scene for a little while. We'd spoke about it. And the way we always start the podcast is what's your VW story and how did you get into Volkswagens? I think my VW story, my sister had a Volkswagen as her first car. Yeah. And I remember being taken out with her in it and I had to behave myself. And it was a natural progression. When she moved on to a Ford Fiesta, yeah. I got her old Volkswagen Beetle, nice, which I... Uh, uh, painted the wheels pink painted the body turquoise and then wrapped it around a lamppost oh no with um three of my friends in it wow and um that was the introduction of my car then the, to feel the guilt after writing a car off and to have to walk for eight months while your parents help you <laughs> buy your second car which was another volkswagen beetle um it taught me a good lesson in just slowing down right and uh reading the road yeah and take care of it um i was intent on making that car better so then i deseamed it uh put suicide doors on it and my dad went nuts he came into work uh on the monday i've been working on weekends and i've cut the doors off and i've changed the hinges around he went ape shit and um and what did now did you was your father in the automotive industry so my father runs a company called motor technique which specializes in ferrari restoration so okay as this podcast goes out in 2023 my dad's 75 years old oh wow and he puts uh, v8 engines ferrari v8 engines in v6 dinos oh really that's his speciality so he resto mods them he lives by not paying any attention to the rules i love it he, he likes to build cars that he felt enzo should have would have built had right. he had the budget yeah 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 <laughs> but um so so you you come from an automotive background yeah i've been very and, very lucky and having a dad who's who's into like italian performance and he's looking at you you're starting with this volkswagen and then no, he, he thought i was gay <laughs> and, and you're and you're sitting the crazy part is you know we talked about this a little bit because we're the same age so so you're you're a child of the 80s yeah and kind of starting to build that volkswagen you know, it's, it's flashy colors, it's this, it's that, and it's taking this old relic and making it like modern, right? Mm. It's cool suicide doors, trick paint, all this stuff. And, and it's really, uh, you're kind of at odds with your dad. Your dad's like, I don't understand this kid. Why is he doing this stuff to this worthless beetle? Yeah, you know, he's like, put your time energy in something that's worth money. Is that kind of his disposition? Yeah, um, maybe, but I've never had the money. I've all, I'd had the time back then, but never the money. Right. Um, and I was low on ability. So by doing these projects, you're teaching yourself how to weld. Um, when I first learned to weld, I was looking over a, a very experienced man's shoulder, watching him MIG. I didn't see him turn the gas on. I didn't see him close his eyes every time he pulled the trigger. So I was not turning the gas on and staring at the blue light as I was right. welding my dashboard up and you know making it all smooth and losing yeah, the glove yeah, yeah. box. So I've learned the hard way. 
Yeah. And even doing the Type 34, it was great because you're honing your skills, making door skins. I've made the complete back end of the car and um, really enjoyed enhancing my skills. Now you're, so by trade, you, 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 you're an interior fitter, you yeah. do restorations on Ferraris? So when I was a young lad, when I was 13, my school holidays were always, I never had anyone looking after me, so I had to go to work with my dad. Mm-hmm. And then I used to hang out there, so I'd learn metalwork, uh, go and help the paint shop. And then, but my love was the interiors, because the leather smells, the glue, um, yeah. it was a better high. <laughs> yeah. You could levitate better on, on the gluey leather. And so I really enjoyed and. Also, if you work eight hours, if you're making headrests or doing seats, you get a lot of satisfaction by what you've created in eight hours. You can visually see it. Yeah. Um, So I like the reward of that. And working with my father um, has has led on to what I do now, which is the interiors, which I started when I was 32 years old. You know, and one of the things, so so to give you guys a visual description of the car, the the color of the car is... It's... um, like a diamond, a diamond green, green, a goldeny green. I would say, yeah. So like, a, it's almost like like Volkswagen had a diamond green in the fifties, nineteen fifty-seven. Yeah. They had diamond green. It's quite close to an Aston Martin-y sort of green, maybe yeah. a bit more golden. And so when you see this car, it's on the seventeen-inch Urskas. Is that what the wheels that are uh, on radars? It? Radars, seventeen-inch radars. Um, it's the golden green. The wheels are painted like a gold color, yeah, right? Same as the C post. Yeah, so it's painted the gold, same as like the the C post in the car, and uh, you've got a lot of a lot of detailed pieces. Uh, all the trim is nickel plated, yeah, which is kind of given that little bit of a bronze kind of vibe to it. It works well with the green, but it's fatter, it's thicker than chrome. So everything you do when you nickel it, right? Like the- the catches on the quarter lights in the rear windows you, you then enter a world of problems because you just gotta sit don't there go back together with a dremel tool and clean yeah. everything out so and you have to lower the gauge of everything before you nickel it oh really it, yeah so you have to do the pre-work before you start doing that. lots of pre-work yeah so to give you guys the visual like all the all the bright work on this car is nickel plated so it's really got a unique look to it i mean it, this car stands off on its own which is what i love and it, you know in, in a world of people that do things different but the same this car is really unique and that's really one of the things that caught my eye about it and the more i looked at it there were things that i looked at that i thought well and, and i question we talked about it right so on the type 34 gi you've got the leather dash that integrates into the door sides and then it stops at the rear tray mm-hmm. and then in your car you did the rear dash pad to match the front dashboard and i didn't get it when i looked at it and i said well you know i had to roll the seat color back over into the dash and then you told me from your background working on italian cars they have like the front and rear dash are the same there's like a like a black wainscot around the whole top of the car which then after looking at it you know it makes a lot of sense and it's funny how when I'm looking at it and I don't get it, and then you just explain to me your reference point of where your inspiration comes from, then it all falls into place. It makes total sense. And so now I completely appreciate it. And I'm not going to say I'm going to steal it from my car, but I do like the look of it. And, and with those cars being, because it's interesting, right? They were built by a German company designed by an Italian designer. And you could tell the way that they were, you know, they were trying to, they, they Volkswagen, I think at the time thought maybe we could build a sports car, but when you've spend so much time branding yourself as the econo car person yeah. maybe people don't really respect the type 34 well not that people when it's the same money as the 356 they were just going and buying a 356 when this car was actually in a, in, a, in a way i think a little more 
a little more refined than a 356. And you said, because you've got experience restoring 356s and this car, you said that this car is, seems a bit higher quality than the 356. Yeah, in the uh, early 90s, probably, uh, I sold my Volkswagen B to a Suicide Doors and a Larry paint job to buy a 356A, 1959. Yeah. And I restored that. And that was when I, I wasn't good enough to r repair the front and I needed a lot of help. Um, and I sold that car to buy my first house. Since then, I've also trimmed, uh, restored a 356B. And the Type 34 has been a, a much more um, intrinsic car to restore. How the um, air cooling works at the back and the, oh, the, yeah. the water tray, all, all the one-off parts. It's a much superior car to a 356. It seems like a lot more refinement that they thought, were, the, 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 the thought process when they designed and engineered it is that it was going to go into the hands of lots of thousands of people. Mm. And so they had to build it with the drain trays, with the, with the dual, like it wouldn't be important for Porsche. They didn't care about carrying luggage in the rear. Yeah. But on this car, having a trunk both front and rear made more more challenging. Driving the car over here from England, you, I just feel what, it's such a balanced car from space, from head height to leg room, to space in the back of the car for your personal belongings, in the boot, above the engine in the rear. There's just so much space. It, to me, it's, I'm yet to see a, a better proportion car of the era. Oh yeah, and it's such an overlooked car. I, I think, I, I, and I agree with you. I've, I've had the I've had the conversation with several people that I believe that that car is the most refined Volkswagen built, and it's really they're really I believe in my opinion way undervalued. Mm. You know, um, I, I I think I currently hold the record for the most expensive one sold, and mine uh, I sold one in the states for seventy k yeah. uh, back in two thousand sixteen or seventeen which was unheard of at the time. Yeah. But since then, of course, and everybody sees one sell and they all increase their prices. And now in the secondhand market, they're all absolutely insane. But to restore a car for 70,000 pounds, you know, you, you wouldn't- It only took to... me 90 to sell it for 70. Oh, well done. <laughs> so, so, you I know- I do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anybody can do that. Uh, but you know, the, the, the difference is closing the gap, right? Yeah. And you know, w with mine at the time, I did mine really different, you know, leather interior mm. and some other things that, that you know, I felt kind of fitted the car. Now your car, your business's interior, and, and they call it, what's the term for it here? In the, we call it interior. Coach trimming. Um, coach trimming, it's, right? That, that, that word dates back from horse and carriage, when uh, carriages would have had curtains put in there, make the seats more comfortable. Those guys were coach trimmers. And my website is coachtrimmers.com. And I mean, you know, you let me sit in the car and there's a lot of really cool, I love the carpet you did because it's, it looks, it looks the vintage, but it's not German square weave because everything you see is German square weave. And I know that you you originally would, yeah. when you d decided to build the car, what was, what was your starting point for building the car? Um, when you say starting point, I bought it off a beautiful man called Steve Kustance, uh -huh. who uh, was going to build the car himself and he had an accident and broke his pelvis. Mm -hmm. And it was just too much for him to continue. So he sold it as a go-in project and it had all of his desires. It had a right-hand drive dash, um, the radar wheels, um, independent rear suspension. So I bought a box of bits and I kind of built the car he was building and then I put my own twist on it as, we, as we've gone along. Now, when you when you decided to make the decision for paint color, all that stuff, what was the first? Because nor, normally, you know, somebody starts with an exterior color. I'm going gumball blue, and they build yeah. off of that. What, where did I you mean, start? Um, sometimes, if you take a three five six Porsche, for instance, they just look great in a light metallic. And if you had a Ferrari two hundred and fifty Tour de France, it 
or a California, you can kind of kill it if you painted it yellow. Yeah. And some cars with the sharp lines lend themselves to a metallic. You can really see the different arenas of shapes. Yeah. Where, um, and, and some cars, they don't lend themselves. So I think the 356, it was always going to be that kind of metallic. Um, I wasn't set on green until I found my interior color. And then I knew what direction I wanted to go in because it's got uh, greens and golds in it. And it's quite a unique piece of fabric. What would you uh, What would you call that? I bought that from America. Um, it's like a plaid so fabric. It's a, but I mean the the texture, the the the, the texture of that fabric. It's like a it's like a tweed or like a, a woven like yeah. a woven piece. Of, I don't know what it's made out of. Yeah, it's wild. It's, uh, I mean, it's really it's got a it's got a it's got a, a it's stiff quite texture. Feel, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it, it definitely fits the era of the mm. 60s because you could see that in like a Lincoln or a Cadillac yeah. or something like that. You know what I mean? Because it kind of has a, a high-end interior look. Yeah, but I'm kind of at a place with interiors where everyone's done diamond stitching. Everyone's done the latest fads of stitching. And I wanted to go back. So I've taken my inspiration of a Mercedes Goldwing. They have raised pleats. Uh, with a double stitch line in the center. So where my double stitch line is on a Mercedes, I've put uh, uh, a one centimeter strip of folded edge vinyl. Oh, down um, the middle? In, in the centers to, to separate them. And if I told you how much those seats cost in terms of hours and redoing them and not being happy and doing them again, my steering wheels probably cost most people's restorations in terms of the steering wheel. That's insane. Uh, but the, the seats, yeah. Um, but I've, I thoroughly enjoyed doing them. And what, one thing I noticed about your seats is with the production cars, the Volkswagens, they never really, uh, they, they, they were production. They made everything to fit close enough. They were assembled in a high-speed fashion and those, te- and those types of things. The, the Type 34 was, was different because it was assembled at a, a different plant and a little more care put into it because it was the, on the Type 3 platform, which was more of a sophisticated car. But your seats fit probably the tightest I've ever seen a set of seats fit. And, and where you have to be careful with the type 34 is the seat base is so large mm. and i don't i mean you would know it's really large to me compared to like especially italian cars stuff like that's a really wide seat yeah. base and if you overstuff it i mean think it look like a marshmallow that you're sitting on right yeah. so so you've done a job where i mean just those seats and their and their cloth right and maybe that's the and, and i'll ask this question as, as an interior fitter as a as a, as a coach trimmer you can't really stretch fabric like you can vinyl, right? You can always heat up vinyl and stretch it a lot easier than you can with a fabric. And your seats are fabric mm-hmm. on top and sides. Yeah. So for them to fit that tight, that had to be a job yeah. to, to wrap it, those it's springs. It's tailor-made like, like a suit. And I've always um, got little mini devils sitting on my shoulders of other people right. judging my work, which keeps me good. And I work with a lot of other very good coach trimmers. So we all spur each other on. Yeah. And I like to try and do something that... Um, you know, pushes the boundaries. Like my steering wheel doesn't have a center stitch line. It's just made out of circles of fabric. Yeah. And to do the mathematics of making that, you know, it's, um, so I, I like to, so someone could see, some people sit in a car and they don't, actually never appreciate how a steering wheel is stitched, how the sun visors work, right. how the seats are made. And I like someone who's got that kind of brain to sit in my car and think, wow, that's, yeah, I mean, you've got, into that. and especially with the Type 34, it's funny, in the world of Volkswagen restorers, that's the most, the most 
regular car of all the cars. Like uh, mm-hmm. restoring a Beetle is almost like putting together a snap together sure. kit, right? I mean, it's yeah. not, it doesn't require the attention to detail. And so they're so basic, everybody puts all the detail in the Chrome hardware and the this and the that. But when it comes to fitting the Type 34, I mean, the door, you've got four or five body lines to line up between mm-hmm. the, 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 the contours and the, and the verticals, the lowers and all that. And then when you open it up, that Type 34 has got that really odd interior swoop on the door sill. You know, yeah. on, on, the, on the inside the front of the door, and you've wrapped yours in vinyl, similar to like what the factory did, and and it just looks with the VW, and especially with what's available in the restoration market, they always look a little unfinished. Your car looks finished. Your car looks finished, and then thought thought after. Like when I got in there, there you have a bar, a foot bar, yeah. on the passenger side that's wrapped. I mean, it's like it's not just a foot bar that was thrown there. It looks like it was built for the car like it belongs there you know and there's a lot of things with with cars that when you see them restored you look at it and you think oh well this this doesn't make sense or that you know what is the purpose of this but as once you told me your background and having you know kind of your your wheelhouse is working on italian cars now everything started to fit together and every time i looked at it i thought oh i could see that in a ferrari i could see that here so it's interesting because you've done door pockets on the on the door panels You've done uh, an additional add-on piece, uh, a sculpted piece on the side, like a decorative piece coming down the side. Which follows the shape of the outside line that goes up the wheel arch. Yeah. So you did a lot of tying in some of that distinctive, uh, you know, kind of uh, swoop body line that's at the rear quarter. You've followed that throughout the car. And I really, I really like, there's so many details to this car and you guys will go on the you know you, you go on the blog page and you'll look at the detailed pictures that i took of this car because there's just so much to look at on this car a, a lot of detail that and, it, and what's interesting is most people just walk past it and overlook half of it because mm. um, they might see something that they didn't like now the bumpers you did something really unique with the bumpers so the bumpers i i looked at them at first and i couldn't really tell what was going on because i saw this stripe on there and then i looked at the top and it almost looked like the nickel but then i realized it was body painted yeah, the car came with some bumpers that were all freshly made from Indonesia. or Yeah, the stainless steel ones, yeah. yeah they were great. Um, and then I kept looking back at the original ones that came with the car, and they were pretty awful state. So I had them shot blasted, had the chrome removed, and then I welded three pieces together to make it a one-piece bumper. And then I've welded all around the sides of them so they fit the contour of the car. So you built them up to fit? Yeah, welded all around the sides. And then um, we painted them body colour. We've had the nerf bars nickeled, and then I've wrapped them in. Um, it's almost like a, a L section aluminium right mm-hmm. around, and uh, had that nickeled. On a three five six, it's quite similar. You have that strip around the bumper and body color. So yeah, so inspiration from a three five six. Yeah, it, 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 and it and it and it works. Looking at it, like because the more I looked at it, there were things that were striking to me, and that, that that were bold on your part, and to me they were. A little off-putting and the more that we're talking the more that i'm thinking about this car the more i can appreciate everything you did especially when you tie it back into 356 like the the bumper accent with a color match bumper because it looks it looks like it was built to be like that mm. you know what i mean and that and that's kind of the, the the work of someone that's put their thought into how do i how, how can i make this better yeah, I've sculptured the indicators, the 356 indicators on the front, and I yeah. sculptured the bumper. And it's because I did indicators first, then went to fit the bumper. <laughs> then you got the indicators in the wrong place. So then, you know, so yeah, a, a lot of these great ideas in hindsight 
come from you know not having foresight right probably but it's 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 neat the way the whole car comes together now interesting on the dash because you are you are a uh, coach trimmer Mm. most people on that dash you would think in today's day and age would like double stitch that front seam on the dash now you just wrapped it like a traditional uh, like a traditional dash would have been wrapped or yeah. how did you finish that dashboard? Uh, the vinyl, well, mm-hmm. I've made the top and the bottom of the dash because they're very difficult to get hold of. And mine were okay, so I bonded them together then uh, went underneath them with ply and on the top of alley. Uh, built the pods um, in filler and then the vinyl that I use for the car really stretches well with a bit of warm, warm air. And um, it really, so the two pods above my Speedo are like little breasts yeah. and it just makes the car handle better. Go faster, <laughs> better on fuel. It's, all, it's always better. <laughs> I'm always first off the ferry right. because of that dash. Yeah, and yeah, um, and doing something nice like that, it lends itself. And you want to do nice cap-ins, and I wanted the car to be really airtight as it drives down the road, so there's no whistling noises. And I've really paid a lot of attention to getting that nice. Now, so you do uh, your your primary thing that you do is is coach trimming, but restoring a car. There's a lot of things that you may or may not work with, which is, and you probably have to work with it, right? Door like the trimming, the door sills, the rubbers, all that stuff. Because normally, if you do a headliner, so when you when someone takes a car to you and you do a headliner in a Ferrari, you've got to put all the trim pieces back, or yeah. you just hand it back to them, and that's their problem, or you work the whole thing out. Um, our uh but my business is a one-stop shop, so someone will bring a car in, and then mm-hmm. we'll have a good chat with them and find out what they want from their experience with us. So sometimes they want a car, how it left the factory, which in Ferrari um, days was pretty raw. Raw, some poor quality? In the 50s and 60s, yeah. You know, they were facing uh, what most car builders were back then. You know, they had to get things out the door. Sometimes stitching was awry, and um, they... What, what they let out the door, if we were doing work into that standard now, we'd be laughed out of trim school. You know, so that's crazy. The, the standards have changed a lot, but you have to keep one foot in old traditions where things still look the same. So you can really improve stuff from the old days by using modern techniques, modern materials, better foams, but you can lose the character of interiors um, from shrinking vinyl to stretching leather. Um, so it's, it's quite interesting how, how they went about it in the old days and so we'd speak to our customers find out exactly what they want some people want a car no one sat in but then we would uh, fix all the rubbers do it do every part of the car we make seat frames plastic moldings that work uh, seat foams we do everything you recreate i mean if someone brings you especially in the in, in the world in which you work with ferraris you may just have a seat frame to start with no springs no nothing you've got to build everything out from yeah. there um, we've just done the most ultimate project in the world, which gets released next year, which was a three-seater auto union that they drew up in the 30s, but they never uh, went on and built after a chap called Bird Rosemeyer died in a speed trial. And they scrapped this car. It was, it was really the, the first um, ultimate sports car of the day, 16-cylinder, twin supercharge. Oh, wow. So the car will come to us with just the ideas of the day, and then we, we research the materials, um, go about how they would build the seat frames, and to make the interior work. So you'd slide across the outer seats to get into the center on, on this 1930s super, yeah. supercar. So that's what we specialize in. And we really relish sort of taking on projects that other people would be out there depth on. Now, that brings me to a good question because you, in the industry now, everything is over-restored, right? Yeah. There was the level that it was done back then. And, and, and a lot of, I guess the ultimate thing people are hunting for is the most original car, right? Mm-hmm. Because that's kind of how it went. 
but really the restored cars are head and shoulders better quality than the unrestored cars. When you go to put a car back that's, let's say, a half a million dollar Ferrari or whatever the case is, do you, in your opinion, being being a coach trimmer, would you put the original, what, what did they use for the, the door panels? They use a, yeah. a hardboard in the old days, which would have warped. And what would you use today? Depending on the customer, so we'll speak, talk to them through that. You can get better hardboards that don't have the warpage, mm-hmm. but we always use aluminium. Um, and it's, it's So you'll it's, make a, an aluminum core yeah, so uh, very early Ferraris were all aluminium from the 250 Tour de France and, and earlier, they're all aluminium. Then they went to cheaper, so it's hardboard and then fiberglass and different you know, aspects of what they are now. So um, I prefer to work in aluminium. It doesn't warp, it will outlast the customer. And you talk about finding original cars. Yeah. A, a customer will come to us with a very original car. The next customer may want a, a, a blue car with a white interior. And originality means nothing to them. It blows my mind. Uh, Volkswagen people seem to have the finger on a button. You know, they'll, they'll click to old bits and they'll keep their car looking original and find it. But you don't have that with Ferrari owners. They wouldn't go around, you know, a Ferrari Dino swap meet and find all these old bits and keep their car looking how it should. Right. They just don't do that. So very different sort of mentality of owner, how they come to restore their cars. And, and some of the... And, and you being in this profession... If it's your car, you're always going to update the the under fabrics, the under materials, the the, the core pieces that give it longevity. Yeah, two, two things I love. Uh, one of them I like to have something looking original, old, how it was, and nurse that, or the best it can be. Uh, that middle road, it, it sits bad with me. Where yeah, it, it kind of needs doing. Right. But um, but with my work, a lot of things we don't boast about is taking old Ferraris and making the interiors look old. And, you know, it enhances their value. It gives them a more interesting story. So we do a lot of that. So you'll redo someone's interior and make it look like it's worn in. Yeah. Especially sort of uh, around 50s Ferraris were, were mainly vinyl before yeah. they went over to leather. And so that's a great fun to to create a story with and so how and, and so what are some of the techniques you guys use to do that are these trade secrets or what are some uh, of the te- what is- do you know I'll often ask a customer sort of if you're if we're going back to June 1957 you know it was a Friday right, right. I like to find as much detail as when it rolled off the line but basically um, you'll make something as bad as it can be and then try and save it really yeah <laughs> um, and that, that's really as, as good as it can be. So there's different techniques, like you can tighten up the tension on the sewing machine, so when you stitch it, it gathers up the material and forms its own wrinkles. Oh, really? Heat's a great one. If you heat up vinyl, you can lose some of the uh, grain in the vinyl and make it smoother, so it looks like it's been sun-beaten. Really? You know, setting things on fire. Um, <laughs> uh, on, on vinyl, career soap, which you paint fences with, really eats into the vinyl and gives it a nice tarred finish. So if you're using white plastic, that's a really great one to pep around the sides of the seats. And uh, I've, we've done all sorts of stuff, set things on fire. But it's how bad do you want your interior? Right. Because then you can do cigarette burns, you know, all sorts of, you know. And people, and, and, and there's more value to a car that has an interior that looks like that? D- depending on the car. Depending um, on the story of the car? Yeah, we've, we did uh, one car, which was an ice racer, uh, a Ferrari's 50s car which um, the interior caught fire on and vanished, went up to the sweet lord. And so we recreated the interior before it caught fire. And all we had was a photograph of the original headrest. 
I'll show you photos off of this. Yeah. And then you can see for yourself. But um, and I love doing stuff like that. So it's it's um, if my my daily interiors are Ferrari Dinos, Ferrari Daytonas, short wheelbases. Um, and I, I like being taken out of the normal. And yeah. You can really exercise. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 it's interesting to to do that and and that's like i guess that could be a whole other layer of car restoration right completing the story mm. or recreating the before picture just before the demise of this particular car you yeah. know what i mean i think that's that's another cool aspect i think that that gives a lot of history you know i, I just picked up recently uh, a bus that was built in 1969 it was custom built and for the time it was redone in 1969 a 1950s bus and at the time, it would have been done with the latest and greatest stuff in the 60s. And now today, here we are in the 2020s. And I, like when I went and picked the interior pieces, I, you know, most Volkswagen guys would have said, well, let's, you know, this would have been a stock VW color. That would have been this. I went from the standpoint of like, what would they have picked in the 70s? They would have picked probably yeah. this piece and that. And the colors didn't match exactly. And it was kind of a funky look. But, you know, that was the, the, the intention that I did when I had the upholstery done in this bus and it looks kind of like it doesn't look like anybody looking at me like wow this is really really refined and it looks like in the 70s somebody made some decisions at an yeah. upholstery shop to, to walk past the car and you think who'd have <laughs> yeah expect that yeah and what were they on yeah it's wonderful and i think you know um, i i think that as we're talking about this it just kind of opens my mind up to like i could see a whole nother a whole nother genre of cars being built that have a story whether true or not but mm. just cool to have so much history because a good thing about a lot of these cars that you know that is missing sometimes at the show if you can't sit down and talk with the owner is the story of the car where it came from what it's been through and how it's here especially if you see a car that's tattered sitting in there and you're like trying to figure out well, what's this car doing here what's mm. so special about this car but there's so much history to these things that you know it's it, it's it brings a lot of value to the visual aspect of the car. The same with talking to you, talking to you about why you made some of the decisions on there, which I looked at and I said, ah, I'm not a fan of this. I'm not a fan of that. 10 minutes later after a conversation, I thought, well, I get it. I get it. And, and getting it and putting my eyes from where you're standing in the world of looking at Italian cars, it all makes sense. You know, some of the inspiration and I could see how it would tie over, but yeah, it's your car is, is really well done. I mean, it's, it's a fantastic car. I, I I like a lot of the little things that you did. I love what I love more importantly than anything else is that it doesn't follow any pattern anybody's done before. And that's what I love the most about, especially in the Volkswagen world, people that. Yeah, I guess are, that's difficult now. I haven't gone, gone about my restoration with that in mind, but nearly every avenue's someone's gone down. Yeah. And uh, I think my car sits aesthetically balanced. Yes. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm very pleased with it and it drives beautifully. And you drove it here. Yeah. And what do you have for drivetrain in it? You've got a... A 1776. Uh-huh. I've got all the bits on there, but I can't remember them. I've glue sniffed since I was 13. <laughs> but I'm 51 now, yeah. and I can't remember the end of my own sentences. So you you ask me details of what tires and stuff. No, I, no, no. I, but, yeah, got, and so you've got a regular four-speed transaxle in there. Yeah. Geared for freeway driving. Yeah, it's got a tall fourth gear on there. Is it so just, on air or is it static? No, standard. I wanted a car that was low enough to get over speed bumps and be able to drive around. I don't want to go up and down. Right. I, I don't know how you can dial in a, a nice handling car on air suspension. You probably can. But um, I just wanted something that I could have planted. It worked. It doesn't need revisiting. And I came here, it, I came here with Spike and those guys, and that was 
a two hour a two hour plus ride to here mm. and the free was here fairly nice and it was it was a nice drive the whole time i was driving mm. i was wish i wish i was had my yeah. type 34 finished to be driving that but that, i mean it's a it's a wonderful looking car and if it drives as good as it looks mm. i mean that's that's even better one of the things that you do in the car that's really unique probably the most unique thing that people are going to see well there's a couple really unique things on your car so you did some custom headrests yeah so um i wanted something uh i took my inspiration off of those off an aston martin db4 which they kind of enclose the sides in the back of your head um and then i've cut out sort of ear holes so they're hollow on the sides but i've i've done that just by wrapping some cardboard around my head i've got a massive head <laughs> and um and just drawing around my ears and then i've i've mocked them up off of a ferrari dino uh, the headrest stalks right and i build them in aluminium and um and cloaked them in foam and um yeah they work they work well because i saw that, that was probably the first striking thing that i saw when i saw the car i saw it coming i thought what in the world are those headrests mm. but yeah, now you I, try and think what well, cars that off but and I, and now i'm looking at them but i look at them and, and they're they're big enough to seem really large but then when you look at them in comparison to the seat they fit like everything makes sense and it looks like it could have been it couldn't have been an, an accessory from Volkswagen because it's not German enough. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's got too much style to be German. Yeah, that's kind of you. Um, <laughs> you, but you get what I'm saying? It's, yeah, it's more Italian than German for sure in the design. Yeah. But it's, for you, it's inspired from an English car, right? From the Aston Martin. But, but it's really, I, it really has the a cool proportion. look to it. Yeah. Only the style, the proportions aren't. They're just from my own brain. And the T-34 never came with headrests. No. So I've welded uh, stanchions on there for that. And... Um, yeah, yeah, it's a it's a great look. So the other thing that you have is on, on the front of a Type Thirty Four Gia. Uh, there's there's an embossing on the front hood that tapers back towards the cowl. Yeah, you've now did that to the roof, so the roof has that same body line. Yeah, I kind of wonder if Carmen and Gear ever got together and say that body line should go across the roof. Right, and maybe there's a disagreement. Maybe they never spoke about it, but at, at the heart of that, there would have been a cost to how much would that cost to fold that up. And the buckling of, you know, that, that's a quite a big deal. To, so I, I made a little mohawk piece. Uh, where, what it back, backs down to is I spoke to my neighbor and I said, I'm thinking of doing this. And he said, oh, it's not original. You know, don't do it. You ruin the value. And as he walked away, I thought, ah, stuff him. <laughs> so that night I, uh, I cut it out. And I was really pleased with myself. And then I had to go about making the fillet that fits in. And I remember welding it. And I've just learned to weld everything very, very low. That was migged in, just one right. tick at a time, because you put too much heat in that, you can ruin your roof very easily. So I had an airline welding it, and then blowing it, cooling it immediately, and really took my time doing that. And it went in perfectly. There was hardly any filler, just a little skim around the welded edges. Yeah, it looks... It went in well. It, it, again, it's one of those things you see, you're like, what was he thinking? Yeah. And then if you take a step back and you kind of put yourself in the vision of what that car is supposed to be, and it looks, I mean, it fits really, it fits really, it, it looks pretty, it's definitely the only car done like that. Mm. And it looks really unique. Um, I, I kind of, I, I don't know where I'm at on it as far as feeling loving or hating it. And I'm it's the same. Oh, again, <laughs> again but, but it's not my car, but I can appreciate it makes sense. Yeah. You know what I mean? I look at it and go, well, it makes sense. And I think it's kind of cool and it, it adds another layer of different to mm -hmm. the car because again, in this world of, 
you know, when that car came in, I'm a little colorblind and there was that one and that one. I said, well, they have two gold type 34s here. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yours is a gold green, more green than gold. The other one's kind of a champagne color. Mm. But um, yours is definitely completely different. And uh, I think that I think it was really, really unique about the roof. I think it, I think it works, you know. Um, and then the other unique aspects you've got, uh, you fitted some... Uh, a third brake light to the car. Yeah, because the car sits low. And really I've got low. Two, two little girls, and when we go out in it, if a, if a truck's following us, I like to have a brake light up high. And that all runs into the same headline in perforation, so it matches perfectly. And you did the, you did the, uh, you've got underlit interior everywhere throughout the car, which I think is fantastic. Yeah, I put an LED, LED strip. It starts at the front sill. It runs underneath the dash, up the A post, round the whole of the headlining, back down the C post and through both of my seals and so that's at night when you when you put the light on it really shines up the interior you can change the colors and that's one led strip yeah 20 foot long 20 foot long and yeah. it runs up the entire perimeter of the headliner yeah down both a 20 pillars. meters i can't remember that yeah. down both a pillars yeah. across the dash underneath and then under the door sills yeah so it runs it lights up from the door sills up like yeah. a like a modern car um, so underneath the dash, it's lit down. Mm-hmm. And the sills light outwards, and the, the um, yeah, the headlining lights. It just shines up. The whole so is it under the carpet on the door sills? No, I've run it along the um, aluminium sills, the trims. Okay, I've, I've drilled holes all the way along those, so it shines out from the sill. It's the top of the. Well, you're crafty. You're a crafty one. Yeah. I li- I might I might borrow that. I might borrow yeah, that. Yeah, have move. it. <laughs> Don't worry. About it. But I love. But the, I. But I love when people bring something different to the hobby and it pushes it pushes the hobby a little harder you know what i mean it it makes people think like you know what i thought about doing it and some people aren't bold enough to take a step out and do something on their own because they're concerned about what their friend might say or what the like what your neighbor said oh don't do it that ruins the originality and then you go yep i think i like it but looking around the show today you can just see there's lots of creative minds and i think that's probably the heartbeat of volkswagen is that everyone can do something to the car they're so um, workable and fun yeah. and unique to show that person's character off whether they're stoners yeah. or they're original, originalists you know you can really see the car represents their soul yeah no it's I, I, it's a it's a fantastic car it's done really well I, I love the center exhaust for the rear I mean that's another a chap called Mikey from Volkshouse made that and that guy's um, work is second to none yeah, He's a fantastic and who result. built who, who built the motor for it, the drivetrain? Um, I bought that, uh, but my friend Jez Parsons at Carrera Performance mm-hmm. uh, stripped it all down, uh, reworked it, and he's put an external oil filter on there, which is quite difficult because on a Volkswagen, it, there's a uh, Beetle, there's a place to tap into. Right. On a pancake engine, he tapped into the front, and there's there's a lot going on there. There's a lot, so, yeah, with the fan and everything. Yeah, so Jez Parsons um, at Carrera Performance has done amazing work in making that car drive nicely yeah i really i I really uh just think it's it's uh, there's so many bits to talk about i mean the on you so you've got pull knobs on the dash instead of the push button for 64 which would have had push button dash and you've changed it to some pull knobs and you've got the indicator lights that actually flash through the end of the knob yeah, that's on my hazards. I've made them in, uh, machined them up in brass so they match the, the little tips that are in the speedo mm-hmm. and rev counter gauges and the clock. So they're also on the outside of the wheels and the center of my steering wheel and on the rear quarters. 
Yeah, I think it's I, it, there's there's so many little unique details, and I've got a video that I'll, that I'll be putting out with this guys that you guys will be able to see. There'll be a link in the description below where I'm just kind of doing a walk around and, and showing you on this whole car. But it's it's a phenomenal car. I mean, you've you've done you've outdone yourself. I mean, again. I can't give you enough props for doing something different and not being, we, we need more people <clears throat> taking leaps of faith, you know, cause you know, in the Volkswagen world in the eighties, it was all, everybody be as different as you can within this framework of cow look. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? And, and we're now at a point where everything is so far over restored that it's, it's getting kind of crazy. Mm. The, the level of detail they're putting. And so now it's like, Sure, everybody can get polished nut bolts and washers and things like that to that detail, but I don't think I've ever seen an interior quite like yours that's been, that's, it has to take a, a trim worker to be able to do that type of material first for the headliner, because it's, it's like a, it's like a textured fabric for the headliner. So there's no, there's no screw, you can't stretch that out. No. It's got to be money the first time you put it in. Um, and I think maybe anybody that's got any experience working with any of these pieces knows like, yeah, this guy really set himself up for the hard, <laughs> the hardest job yeah. possible with the seats. But this, the, 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 the interior is beautiful. Um, I like the way you've got a, a hidden pocket in the rear quarter. Now, is that is that pocket that's inside the quarter channel, is that attached to the door panel cover yeah, or I, is it a separate piece? I welded up some aluminum boxes that just slide in there beautifully and I bonded them in. And uh, and so now you've got storage panels it inside. Was for, for both my daughters, they've got little teddy bears, and they wanted to, play, you know, say so the whole family's taken a. And, and 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 you, I mean, clearly you drive the car, so yeah. you know worried about driving it's stone it. Stone chipped already. Kids. I've had people at shows uh, sort of walk past and bang their cameras into it, and uh, but there, my my father, who I love to bits, he bought a new KTM motocross bike, mm -hmm. put it in first gear, dropped the clutch, and he. Uh, wheelied it fell off the back snapped the back mug guard and he said to me all his goggles were steamed up and he said rookie they're only new once <laughs> <laughs> so that's kind of a thing it's restored it was perfect and now i want to mess it up no i mean it, and, and that's part of the story of the car right it yeah. gets it gets restored and then you it starts its new life mm. it's new life as a purpose-built vehicle that's an expression of your talent your skill your creativity and then it's also a utility has a utilitarian function to and to create memories for you and your family mm -hmm. as you guys as your kids get to sit in the car and be like daddy why is everybody pointing at us and giving mm -hmm. us the thumbs up and then you're like because you're now going to be a car kids kid. don't get it yet they don't <laughs> understand it you know they, if i take them to school they're embarrassed yeah and uh, i love embarrassing my kids i was put on this planet for that yeah that's but, it uh, they don't realize they're cool yeah, no, it, but the, the, the fun, the funny part is as they get older, they'll look back and be like, yeah, my dad was super cool. He was even cooler than I thought he was. And he used to, he used to embarrass uh, yeah, me. Yeah. Well, I'd like to see that. Happen. Yeah, that it'll way. happen. Listen, yeah, I've got, so. I've got some, I've got some older kids and what they used to think was kind of, kind of lame that I would do. They, they look back at it now and think like, oh yeah, dad, dad, you were wearing high tops before everybody was wearing high tops. You were yeah. wearing vans before everybody, you know what I mean? Like that whole thing. So Go for your wardrobe. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it, it's. It's fun and, and being able to, I remember I finished my first bus and I was at a car show and my kids were hopping over the seats back and forth and a guy walks by and he goes, hey, your kids are jumping all over the inside of your bus. I said, yeah, that's what it's for. Yeah. Go for it. Like it. it's all fixable. Yeah. It's all whatever. It's like, let the kids have a good time and, uh, you know, build it and start the new chapter in the life of that car. I mean, I yeah. 
I love seeing other people's cars when they've got mirrors underneath them and everything's perfect underneath and chrome, that's their thing. But I've mine's all undersealed and waxed like you can't believe. And I wanted to build a car I could float if yeah. I needed to get home and the ferry wasn't working. Yeah. I paddled out across <laughs> the channel because uh, it's so well put together. Yeah. And um, when I bought the car, it was bodily straight, but uh, rusted in all, all the corners you'd expect from owning one of those cars. Sure. So um, at every point from the back end, I've built uh, drain tubes in it. So water runs out the back light straight onto the ground and, and done everything I could think of that would aid the life as it goes forward. So any places where water can capture, I've got them draining out or deleted them. No, I think it's, I think it's great. I'm excited. I mean, you know, one question I have for you, for a guy who works on Ferraris all day, what made you grab a vault? What, 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 what kicked off your second, because this is now your second round at the VW World, right? Like, yeah. you, how, how well, I recently, it. I, I, um, you kind of put it on hold for a little bit, yeah. right? Well, my first car was, well, I've restored a couple of Volkswagen Beetles when I was a kid growing up. Then mm -hmm. I, I got a 59 356, then I've done a 356B. And now we, this, it, my perfect garage would probably be a low light common gear convertible. Oh, really? And a Type 34. That would be me done. You do but, convertible tops too? Yeah. But um, I'm looking at, I like the variants that are here. And I'm looking at, you know, other cars. And, you know, there's some great, great takes on cars here. But my first, I've, I think I like the Volkswagens. It's uh, financially four cylinders. It's not 12. Yeah. And I'd hate to blow up a 12 cylinder Ferrari and not be able to fix it. You know, that's just outside my thinking. Yeah. And um, the, a, a Volkswagen Beetle will always get you home. Yeah. No, no matter what you do to it. I've snapped clutch covers, uh, sorry, clutch cables and throttle cables and but fixed at the side of the road. And you know, they, yeah. it's a great learning car. No, it's the, it's, it's the car you build your confidence on and, sure. and you have to be resourceful if you're going to own one of those because yeah. they're going to, they're going to let you down when you least expect yeah. it. You know what I mean? But yeah. that's, the, that's kind of the adventure of owning one, I guess. Absolutely. Well, I tell you, you got any other cars planned to be built in the future? Anything on the, on the, no, I'm going to let my wallet recover Yeah. and uh, get its breath back. And um, I built this car while my, my girlfriend was going through breast cancer and then she's gone through colon cancer. Oh. So we're at just that point, she's managed to kick both of those under the table. Well, fantastic. So we're, we're going to concentrate on family for a little while. Well, and God bless her and hopefully oh, yeah. everything, uh, everything keeps moving forward. Yeah, she'll be here tomorrow, so I'll introduce you to her. Oh, she's fantastic. Well, I tell you, I'm really, impressed. I'm really impressed with the car. Now, one question. This is what you do for work, right? If someone brought you that car and you had to charge them for the time that you spent in well, that interior. I've got two people at the moment wanting to buy it um, on who haven't, uh, that, to my mind, they haven't been to see the car or drive it. They've just seen it in pictures and they've seen, you know, pictures, buy a car. pictures. Uh, oh, I'm telling you now from a yeah. guy who's seen it in person, I don't think pictures do that car justice. No. If you see that car and look at the quality of the fit and finish on the interior of that car. But to me, if you wanted to buy a car, go over there drive it, look around it, get it up on a ramp, look underneath it. What would that cost? Um, and I know there's kind of a stigma attached to people wanting big money for their cars. Oh, yeah, but yeah, no, they, no. There's so much gone into that car. It's almost unsellable. But so no, a hundred percent. Someone uh, said, you know, I want an interior the same as that. What does that cost? And I mean, you could start at 30 grand in terms of labor and time. Fuck. Yeah. yeah. Just the steering wheel <laughs> um, and those seats. Um, and uh, there's a lot of other stuff is, uh, you know, do I want to do it for the, you know, I'm not into money. I've yeah, you're not doing it for the, you're not building no. it to resell it. No. Yeah. No, money moves me, but just not very far. Right. And uh, so 
Well, and it'd have to be someone to give you enough money that you could recoup, your wallet could recoup and it would give you enough seed money to go find the next adventure. Where, where do you think that price could be? For that car? Mm. It, it's a, it, that's, I mean, that's a, that's probably the most bespoke car I've seen built like that as mm. far as the additional work. I mean, that's, it's a six figure car. Mm. There's no question in my mind. I mean, look at, especially if it runs, drives, but, but understanding the build quality that's put behind it, I think is, is the key. I mean, just the amount of time that you have in the interior, you know what I mean? Just, just the, the fit and finish, the extra details. I mean, that's a, that's, it's a six figure car mm. in my opinion, no question. I mean, you're, you're talking about how rare the type 34 Carmen Ghee is to begin with. And we had a discussion about this. I mean, yeah. they're a really limited production car, completely undervalued. And even, even selling like a nice one today, a nice driver restored sells for about 30 grand. Mm. I had someone offer me one that was freshly restored. I talked to a guy a few, a few weeks ago, but it's been restored to a Volkswagen spec. I would say this is Italian sports car spec yeah. like bespoke italian sports car spec so it's it's a higher level it's it's difficult to do that again i sold my car and everybody said i was crazy asking the money i, I was asking for it but i said on this car it's and you can't build a car to those levels anymore mm. for cheap that's just not happening was that quite a standard car which in one terms of the one you sold for 70 no it was i had a 2.6 liter fuel injected type four. I had a Berg five speed, but you got to remember I sold it 2017. And since then the market has shifted on a lot of these Volkswagens, you know, especially when people are starting to understand the scarcity and rarity of these cars. So, I mean, my car had a lot of bespoke parts on it. Um, automatic tire sprayers, you know, the windshield washer fluid was connected to a T bar that squirted the tires for burnouts line lock. It had, <laughs> It had, I mean, it had quite a bit of, quite a bit of detail stuff. Again, I'd spent 90 grand on the car building it and to get 70 when I got it at the time that I got it, you know, if I had it today, would I sell it today? One of the reasons maybe that I sold it was that A, I personally didn't do a lot of the work and B, doing the stuff that I did. It, it was, it was such a nice car it was a little frustrating to drive yeah. because I like to drive them and people, mm. and then I feel bad because we're like, you drive that car like a jerk. And I'm like, oh, no, I drive it I like, do. I yeah. drive, I drive it like <laughs> I, I paid for it. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? But it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, you gotta find that you I don't think when someone sees that car for what it is, it's one thing to offer money, not seeing the car in person, seeing it in the magazine and deciding, Hey, what, what would you like for that car? Yeah. But I think, I think that's an obscene number to talk about, that you need to come and see the car. No, no, no. Well, and what I'm saying is like anybody offering it without seeing it is, is, just, throwing, is just throwing a number out there. And in my opinion, maybe the person doesn't, doesn't deserve the car. Yeah, agree. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you got to come see the car. I had a guy offer me what I was selling a car for. And I just kind of looked at him and said, what are you going to do with this? He says, I'm putting it in my beach house. I thought, I don't have a beach house. And you don't have a bus. Yeah. <laughs> And it's just, it's just, you know, just something in me just thought, no, no, you know, just not, it's to, now it's not for sale. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it was, cause again, it wasn't about money. It was more about maybe this will lead to the next thing that I did. And then I just looked at what I had and thought, yeah, maybe, maybe I, I needed to come to this realization that I didn't want to sell that car. And I still own that car to this day. And I had, and I had a guy off me big money for a car before they were big money because I was asking big money. And I just decided no. No, 
I, I don't know. Maybe I'll just keep it. And then I, I still have it to this day. So I think if the car leaves your stewardship, I think it's going to be someone that's going to see the car, appreciate everything that you've done to it, and will make an offer to you where you will not be able to resist it. Yeah. That's in my opinion. Because it's not, again, you didn't build it for a financial gain. You no. built it out of passion. And you can't replicate the labor that goes into building something based on passion. Also, the time you haven't spent with your kids and family, you've been rolling around underneath it, getting covered in shit. Yeah. You know? um, yeah. So, uh, and when I see other people's Type 34 projects, I've got shown one yesterday by an English chap who just bought a lovely... Uh, car that needs a lot of work i think time is so valuable we're not on this planet for long nope um and you realize that sell it on (laughs) you you really well you realize that and 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 the older we get we're the same age the older we get the more we think maybe i'll buy it done and i'll armor all the tires and i'll enjoy it i'll drive it with my kids and enjoy it i've never had 25 grand right i've never had to go and buy that i've always just got there just done this just done that you know, and it, I'd, it'd be lovely to have, to restore yeah. a car, have that money aside, and then you can yeah. you know, fulfill your dreams. But that's but that's what makes us Volkswagen people, right? Because yeah. we have that we have that the, the the capability to dream, and the ability and skill to maybe put put it into action, and then we start weighing things. You know, and kids change things too. Hmm. You know, kids start making us realize. Kids are a visual marker of time Absolutely. that's gone by. You see, it's going. As soon as you look at a picture from a year ago, you're like, you look at your kid, you look at the picture, you look at your kid, you look at the picture, like, man, time, time is flying too fast. When you're a kid, you're looking forward all the time. When I'm going to be 18, when I'm driving a car, first boys holiday, yeah. you know, getting a job, yeah, yeah. losing my cherry. Yeah. And when you get to our age, it's all looking back. Isn't yeah, it? it is. It's trying, to, it's, trying to, it's trying to slow down time as yeah. much as you can. So it, that's the reason I'm here. That's the reason I'm here with my boy, and we came for his 18th birthday just to come up Brian here. Brian Volkswagen, slow yeah. down time. And just, and just, <laughs> well, just come here, look around, and yeah. just take our time. Hang out with some friends, make some memories, because that's what, that's what you're making while we're here. Yeah. So, yeah, hey, Rorky. Yeah, great chatting with you, man. Bill, this has been a lovely podcast. It's the first one I've ever done naked. Listen, I, <laughs> it's kind of you. Well, what I'm surprised about is I was completely calm during the whole thing, and you know, with you being naked, I was a little off put by it. But I think it's fantastic. But you leading the way, I thought that was a marvelous thing to relax your guests. Yeah, it's a wonderful. Well, listen, that's what the Asian girls for. But you know, we're, we won't get into the details. <laughs> lovely but talking to you. And anyone who listens and finds this interesting, I love you. Cheers. Great. And how, if they want to get a hold of you, where do they get a hold of you at? Uh, coachtrimmers.com coachtrimmers.com business website perfect hey and they want to follow you on instagram you got an instagram i've got a personal one which i wouldn't recommend anyone okay. did that that's uh rocky o'rourke <laughs> i believe um and my business one is uh coach trimmers or o'rourke coach trimmers or something yeah. like that yeah i love it i'm sure they'll be able to find you but yeah. they'll, i'll post some pictures and i'll tag you in it cheers they'd be nice talking to you thank you Well, I hope you like that podcast. If you like that podcast, make sure you share this with some friends. If you haven't shared with some friends, that's the way we grow this podcast is organically through friend-to-friend connections to listen to some good VW talk. So I appreciate you guys for listening, and hopefully you guys will share this with your friends. If you want a shot on the podcast, pick up some merch. We got sweatshirts in the store right now, so pick up some merch. Wintertime's coming, so you want to get some cozy Let's Talk Dub sweatshirts. You pick up some merch, get a shot out. And if you leave a review, you get a shout out. So until next week, guys, later.